Good morning. Morning, TJ. How are you? Good. Doing all right, Drew? Yeah, doing good. My, uh, it's like since I know we talked about this last week, but since my COVID vaccination, like I just feel like dead legged every day. And I know that there's got to be some other explanation. Like I need to probably look at like my iron intake or a, probably a myriad of different things to see what's going on. I just haven't felt great. So I'm still running and still getting in what I need to get in, but it just hasn't come easy the last couple of weeks. Has it, uh, it's been like uh, over, a, over a week now, right? Like almost two weeks. Yeah, it's been three weeks to be honest. So that means it's gotta be something else, but. I don't know. I've, I've had a couple athletes who like three weeks after getting the vaccine where you, you're kind of out of that like 10 day uh, danger zone, just have like an inexplicable amounts of energy loss. Um, I had one of my athletes went in for blood panel as a result of that. And I thought, you know, it kind of came back on overnight. Um, I actually thought it might have been vaccine related, but when I, you look at the timeline, you're like, oh, this, how could it be? It's been three weeks. Yep. Um, but I think some of those side effects really aren't happening in a very linear way. Um, like I had a couple really great days uh, this week. And then yesterday I was like totally uh, destroyed. Um, like felt exhausted on my run and uh, like was so, so tired and like out of it all afternoon. Um, so I, I really think that, you know, one, it's a good sign if you have a reaction to the vaccine. If you're not having a reaction to the vaccine, I think that can be a sign that there might be some things uh, going on um, that need to be looked at and maybe you need a blood panel, maybe you need to see if there's something going on hormonally. Because uh, when you don't have an immune response, uh, you know, that kind of raises questions. Um, especially for athletes, like the stronger the immune response, the more you feel kind of out of it and like crap, the better because we're all training and that affects, you know, our hormonal system uh, and endocrine system, like it affects endocrine system. It affects also, you know, your, your mental and emotional state, all of that stuff. Um, and that kind of leads to immune function, right? So like as athletes, we're training all the time, our immune systems are often suppressed. So if you're not having a reaction to the vaccine, that in and of itself could be, could be a red flag. Um, you really wanna make sure everybody's immune system is functioning correctly. Slide in here, Zoe. Yeah, I think it's funny that you mentioned that athlete because I think that that was actually on my list of to do's today was to schedule a doctor's appointment so I could go get some blood work done and just make sure that everything else is okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry, Drew. I'm sure you're doing your due diligence. Um, I would say, you know, if you're concerned at all, like about energy levels and stuff, uh, vitamin D, vitamin B12 and ferritin levels are definitely something um, athletes need to be aware of, especially plant-based athletes. Um, 
iron isn't as bioavailable in plant-based foods, so we tend to not absorb it as easily. Uh, B12 isn't present in most of the foods that vegans eat. I know you, you have a nutrition background, so you probably know all this stuff. Um, and also, you know, coming off of a winter season, we're not out in the sunshine as much. We're not getting as much vitamin D, which is uh, really important for immune function and just for kind of feeling good. Um, and I would, uh, I would definitely encourage people to, um, you know, consider supplementing um, those things and, you know, maybe doing that under the supervision of a doctor is probably the best way forward. I don't want to be the person to recommend athletes uh, supplements. That's not really my job. Um, but, you know, those are things that, that we supplement um, because we've gotten advice from experts on that kind of stuff. Yeah. So don't worry. I think Drew, you know, it's, I felt awful all last week and even, and yesterday, like had like a, rel <laughs> a relapse almost, so to speak, um, where I was just like exhausted. Um, so I think that uh, probably still the vaccine, man. Yeah, that's okay. I'm sure it'll be okay. I, I do need to, we have vitamins, you know, Alicia works for a vitamin company. Um, uh -huh. And so our, our pantry looks like we legit robbed of like a drugstore. Like we've got every vitamin. It looks like it's a display. Um, but we, we just having them is one thing, taking them is another. So I got to do better at that. Yeah. And also kind of when you take your vitamins matters on um, you know, a couple, a couple tips there, like you got to wait at least 30 minutes to an hour after you've been drinking coffee before well, you take your vitamins. On, like, which one, like, Specific. I know specifically when I was working with Kylie on my iron deficiency, we were looking at like when the best times to supplement were. And it's important to like time it, like you, it, like the ions and caffeine um, inhibit absorption. Also, I guess exercise makes it harder for you to absorb uh, iron as effectively. Um, so yeah, now I take them before bed. It's when it comes to an iron supplement, when do you, when do you take yours? Now I'm interested because I always take my vitamins when I get to work in the morning and that's usually about an hour and a half after I run. Yeah, I take mine uh, right before I go to bed. Okay. Which like, I, I mean, I know that doesn't always work for some people. I use the blood builder supplement, which was again, recommended by Kylie because like, I do not have a sensitive stomach, but iron supplements can be pretty tough on the stomach. Oh, here's Kylie. Um, <laughs> she'll have even better input. Um, but yeah, so. And I would make sure, you know, I think for most athletes taking that iron supplement before bed with uh, maybe a vitamin C supplement for better absorption can really help. Um, but if you're taking that in the morning and then you're crushing coffee, you're not going to get the absorption. Um, and Zoe kind of gave you the science uh, there that's behind that. Um, and I would definitely take that into account. Uh, something that we did that's pretty uh, fun, and I know you guys cook a lot, Drew, um, is switching to a big cast iron skillet for your kitchen um, can be a way to get like 10 to 20% more um, iron in your food. Um, we switched to like a huge cast iron. So there's like no foods that we can't make, um, that are going to have some iron in it. And I know that that's, that's kind of made a big difference. Maybe. 
I think so. For cooking, it's more fun. It's fun for cooking, but I would say just, you know, anecdotally, like we haven't had any, like, aside from the vaccine, any serious, like, uh, energy swings in probably the last, like, six to eight months um, or any kind of, like, really big down periods, which we definitely have both had before. Um, so maybe it helps. I think it does. I choose to believe that it does. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it's hard to say if there's really correlation there. I feel like I need a, a sheet that's like, these need to be your AM vitamins yeah. and minerals. These need to be your PM. And just so I can keep that like taped to my fridge. So I'm like, okay. I feel like, I feel like my grandparents had those in their bathroom <laughs> as I was growing up. Hey, what are you trying to say? I'm only 35. Come on now. <laughs> I know, Drew. I'm on the same page where I'm like, what time do I take this and how long, you know, but I have a... I, I need to find one of those. <laughs> Turns out our grandparents were pretty smart after all. <clears throat> yeah. They have like those big, uh, those plastic things and it has each day of the week on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I remember my grandparents had one in their bathroom where it had each day of the week and then there was an AM section and a PM section. It was like a double decker. <laughs> yeah. Epic. So, if anybody knows where to find one of those, hit me up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maggie, defer to uh, Kylie's specific instructions. We're speaking pretty generally here. I don't have the privilege of knowing your exact uh, nutritional history. So again, you know, you'd want to defer to the experts that you're working with. Also, congratulations on graduating Kylie's program. Oh, Maggie, yeah, you're status. It's awesome. I Thank would, uh, you. Sorry, um, I'm driving. <laughs> I would encourage you guys to consider signing up for one of Kylie's plans. That definitely makes a difference when you are uh, held accountable to making some of those nutritional changes rather than just doing like a one-off appointment. Um, yeah, nice work, guys. That's so awesome that you guys teamed up on that. Well, all right, should we, we can, we don't have that many questions today, but these topics are pretty, uh, I think they're like pretty big. Um, so it should uh, make for some interesting discussion. Um, I mean, every single one of these, <laughs> these questions I think is, uh, is pretty tough. So we'll just, let's just get right into it. We'll start at the top of the sheet um, since we did that last week and that's, there's just no way to hide from these. Um, all right. First question. My company just decided to extend working from home. I've been struggling to set boundaries since the beginning of the pandemic and my personal life and family life has really suffered. What do you guys do to set boundaries? How can I better set boundaries to get parts of my life back? Um, Zoe, mm. what do you think? Yeah, I think some important things are that typically when I find that I'm struggling to set boundaries, it's because I'm failing to engage from a place of worthiness. When I lower my boundaries, it's because I'm trying to overcompensate for some insecurity or like perception that I am not enough and that my work isn't enough. And because of that, I need to be working all the time. So I think the first step comes in recognizing um, and truly believing in and engaging from a place of I am enough, my work is enough. 
Um, so when you start at that place, it becomes a lot easier to say no to things and to put up boundaries. Second step for me is realizing that I do my best work and I am, I am my best, most compassionate self when I have boundaries. Um, so, you know, I think about this a lot in regards to coaching there are certain, you know, I'm not going to answer an athlete text at midnight. And that's because I am convinced of my worth as a coach and person. And I know that that person will be okay if I get back to them on a schedule that prioritizes my mental health so that I can most adequately support that person. Um, I definitely used to struggle with this a lot, both in my work at trail runner and as a coach. Um, and NPR. And NPR. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty, and it was also, it was really hard when it was like, that was tough. That was tough. And I still, I think I would still make a lot of mistakes, but like, especially in journalism, I mean, it was part of my job. I was required to be on call, um, like all the time. Like if, you know, it was the weekend and a fire started, it, I had to drop whatever I was doing. If I was camping, I would have to drive to the radio station and start working. That was just the job. Um, and I signed up for it. So that one was less about boundaries than just like that job wasn't a good fit for me because that didn't work for my mental health to like, oh, it's 2 a.m. and the sound went off at the radio station. I have to go figure out how to restart it. Um, didn't work for me. <laughs> uh, not good. It's not a great, it's not a fun job. Um, and so I think it's, again, just recognizing that investigating why you feel that you're struggling to set boundaries and maybe there's some deep work that needs to be done that's not just around work logistics but maybe um, working with a therapist talking with a partner a friend or a loved one about why you might be failing to or you might be struggling to set boundaries um, investigating your own worthiness and knowing that you will do better work when you have boundaries you will be a more compassionate and kind person when you set boundaries like for me if an athlete texts me and I'm not ready to respond as my best most compassionate self I'm not going to push myself to respond I'm going to wait um, until I'm in that place where I'm able to um, really show up for them and that's okay that doesn't make me bad at my job or less responsive it means that when an athlete gets a text back from me, they know that I'm showing up as my full, best, most authentic and prepared self to listen and really truly respond to them. I, I think that's really great. Let's just pause it there for yeah. a second, just so we can kind of take in all of that information. Um, some things that, you know, from your response that really stood out to me, I mean, the main thing is, uh, and something that I see in myself and in the athletes that I, that I coach who are having trouble at uh, work, um, having trouble really like with working from home um, and finding time for family or for their training or prioritizing things that make them feel good. Um, it usually always stems from the idea that, you know, if I prioritize this thing for myself and I don't prioritize something for somebody else or for my work, um, it makes me feel like I'm not enough. Um, and I think that that feeling of enough, um, which you really highlighted quite well, Zoe, is at the root of, of basically every single person on this call, in, on the team and elsewhere. Um, that it's at that that like that feeling of not being enough is at the root of um, all of these decisions we make that are not in our own best interest. You 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 have a a message comes in and you feel like you need to reply to it, but you're, you're supposed to be finishing your work day or you're uh, driving or, or you're in the car driving <laughs> or you're spending time with your, your partner um, or you're just taking time for yourself. So you can reset something comes in and calls your attention 
um, you know, going and changing what you were doing in order to uh, respond to that athlete or to get back to your work or to whatever it is, um, if you in that moment aren't prioritizing yourself, um, sometimes we can think, oh, well, I'm being selfish or um, if I don't do this, that person's gonna, gonna quit. You know, they won't wanna be coached by me um, or like I'm gonna get fired at my job. Um, you know, we go to these places and we feel like, well, our, what our work isn't enough, you know, like if I think like for me as a athlete or in a coach, um, when I'm confronted with really difficult situations, which I think my worst boundary setting is in, is in my business, in my coaching, um, and, and definitely something that like we consistently talk about and try to work through. I think has been one of our most radical shifts in yeah. terms of strategy and um, just, you know, life generally in the past year. Right. And I feel like it's, it's very difficult. Um, and this topic is really hard to talk about because it makes me feel really vulnerable about mm -hmm. like admitting that I do a lot of things every single day because I don't feel like enough, like my coaching is not yeah. enough. Which like, is I a feel silly scared. thing to feel, or it's a yeah. very, you know, everyone feels like, very few rarely do I coach a person or have a friend yeah. who's like I've literally always felt totally convinced of my worth as a person and have never engaged from any other place oh man it's but I would like we, to know that person. it's so nice to know that we all have that in common and we're not really alone uh when it comes to this kind of stuff and at least for me that that kind of fact has like helped me to set some uh, much more appropriate and healthy boundaries that, um, yeah, have definitely helped me kind of uh, stay away from burnout and things like that, which I've definitely been uh, experienced many times over the last few yeah. years. And I think like, it's also like reminding myself that if I don't set boundaries, then I'm not able to show up for people in the way they deserve. I used to think that what people wanted and needed was for me to just be available on call and on all the time. And that's actually really unhealthy for myself. And it doesn't do my friends, my athletes, my coworkers any favors. And I think it's really important. And this is something that like we take very seriously in our coaching is the values that we instill in our athletes. We need to fully and authentically embody in our own lives. Cause if we're not doing that, people can't have trust. They can't have buy-in if we're saying one thing and then living another way. So when I tell athletes, they need to not answer phone calls and texts while they're doing runs and workouts, you better believe that I am not taking my phone on runs with me for anything other than to take pictures. Yeah. You um, never take your phone with you. No. Yeah. I, I specifically like bought an MP3 player so that I, because I don't always have, uh, you know, the self control, like I, you know, I just really need to not be getting Slack messages while I'm out. Yeah. Cause I used to have a job where it was a requirement that I, again, like I was on all the time. So now that that's like, again, like at trail runner magazine, we're not curing cancer. I do not need to be on call, you know? Yeah. Um, and so just like making sure that also, I think it's really important for us to, demonstrate healthy boundaried um, habits at work. For me, I actually have my, in the outside trail runner Slack channel, I have it set up so that I can mark when I'm on a run because I, because I run in the middle of the day. And I think it's really healthy for me to demonstrate to my coworkers that I take time in the middle of the day <laughs> in a schedule that works for me to go engage in my activity. 
Um, because again, if our business model is all about encouraging people to get outside and to enjoy trail running, then I would be a hypocrite for, you know, writing all this stuff and like not embodying it on a really personal and authentic level. And culturally, we've had like a bit of a struggle um, at outside about people not feeling empowered to get outside during the day or turn Slack notifications off or be responding to email on weekends. So I think it's really brave, vulnerable, and powerful to be that person who steps up and says, like, I believe in the quality of my work enough that I shut it down on the weekends. Like, I know my writing is so good that I'm actually not going to respond to your email um, until I'm ready. I love that. I mean, and it's, I thought, I feel like I'm hearing that you not only set up these boundaries, uh, but you also set yourself up for successful execution of those boundaries by doing things like uh, having that Slack message, closing your computer on the weekends, uh, taking time to like go away from home on the weekend so your computer doesn't come with you, uh, not taking your phone on runs. You know, it's like that's setting a boundary and then not giving yourself that that stimulus that could cause right. you to break that boundary. Um, and I, I really like that. I think that that, at least for me, really helps. Like when I'm not coaching, I don't have my cell phone on me. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm- And I know both of us keep our huge. phone, we turn notifications off so that it's not like our phone is demanding our attention when we're ready and when we have the bandwidth, we can go to our phones. Yeah, I, I know, at least for me, I get a lot of texts and that helps. Like I can't sit down and even coach in the logs if I have my phone with me a lot of the time because some text comes through and then that switches my focus from one task to another. And you know, this reminds me of the athlete who takes a work call and does conference calls while they're out on the run. To me, that's something I really discourage. Uh, you should be, I want athletes to use that run as, as time for, uh, for themselves not time to multitask. I mean, if you were trying to get good at the piano and you were practicing piano, you would not be taking a conference call in the middle of your piano lesson. Yeah. Kristen, what, uh, you wrote quite a lot here, um, in the notes and I wanted to turn it over to you. Uh, I, yeah, I think, um, I basically agree with everything that you guys said. You guys kind of, uh, nailed it i think um phone alarms work really well for me from either like reminding me to eat lunch or drink water or have snacks or like call my mom back um or you know anything from like mailing zoe a plant when she's got when she had a bad day um you know i i also set limits on my phone screen time so i'm always aware like at the end of the week it'll tell you how many hours per day you spent on your phone Um, And I just keep trying to like lower that every week. Um, But typically my phone goes into airplane mode around 8.30, 9 o'clock every night. Um, And then I don't really turn it back on again until I'm walking avalanche the next morning. Uh, But I think think it's really easy to let work consume you. Um, But with anything, I think you really have to be diligent and advocate what's in your best interest. So, you know, uh, pick exactly what it is you care the most about and prioritize that and make it a point to stick to it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Kristen, I think that that's so important. And it actually really ties into uh, what Emily wrote here in the comments box, which I thought is just a really great exercise for kind of understanding your, your boundaries and setting your boundaries. And for, for those of you guys who don't know Emily, she's an amazing strength coach. Um, 
and owns her own business and does, you know, a variety of different things um, that are going to be really challenging, right? Like you're working with clients, you're setting times for calls. It can be really tough to, to like make that all work, feel like you're enough. Maybe you feel like you have to make do calls at nine o'clock because that's when your athlete is available to work with. And that might not really work for you and your mental health. So I really like this. Uh, and I'm just going to read it out loud. Emily um, says, I've worked really hard on this this year. Here's my process. Uh, one, I ask myself, what are my boundaries? And then I write them down. Um, then I ask, why do I have those specific boundaries? Um, are they mine or did I create the boundary, uh, a boundary that actually doesn't fit with my work values? So connecting back to your, your, inner, your inner you, your values, that's really great. Um, then she asks, how might these work boundaries affect other people in my life, family, partner, friends, um, and how does it affect them in a positive way? I really like that. Um, and then uh, also the process of recognizing um, that the boundaries can change over time. Uh, that is huge as well. I definitely uh, know that Zoe and I have changed our boundaries around uh, coaching very specifically um, in the last year. And I think one of the most interesting things about that is the, uh, more, the more boundaries we establish, the more good work we're able to do. <laughs> I would, I laugh because it's just like amazing how true that is, right? Like at least we're not for, working at least for less. Me. We're working yeah. better, but within constraints that are more that facilitate better work, deeper focus, more compassion. A lot more compassion, I feel yeah. like, rather than just showing up in box checking, uh, yeah. being really present. And it and for me that means just not feeling burned out. Correct. Um, and that means having the appropriate amount of rest and time off of work. Yeah. I think, you know, it's just like, and this is true in all relationships work. Like, you know, we have boundaries, like every functional relationship needs well-communicated, clearly defined boundaries that allow each person to engage in a way that feels safe, healthy, productive, efficient, like whatever you're looking for in that relationship, whatever your values are. Um, like each of us takes at least like, we don't have a big house. It only has two rooms. Um, and we take turns kind of taking that private time kind of like in the, you know, in the room to do our meditation or strength training, practice guitar, whatever it is. Um, because, you know, when we live in such close quarters and own a business together, it's very important that we still take time to really be on our own. And yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I would love to hear from Kylie or Drew if you guys have anything um, else that you wanted to add to this conversation. Business owners, parents, oh my gosh, yeah. whole levels. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I think it can be different for for those that own their own business versus those that are working for someone else um, in harder and different ways, I guess. <laughs> um, for me, I had to. I had to look at my own uh, business and and be like, you know, is is what I'm doing right now because I was definitely overworking myself. Is what I'm doing right now um, going to be able to be sustainable long term? And no, it wasn't. So instead of doing single sessions with people, you know, switching to a longer term relationship building um, and doing um, a program. And so thinking about like, if you do own your own business, is this, is your business set up in a way that is allowing for you to, to set boundaries or are you just going to keep taking on more and more work? 
Um, and so I'm still currently working on this, um, trying to do things like, you know, really setting my weekends out and, and trying not to do anything on those like two weekend days. And then um, having like cutoff times for work, having built in breaks um, for like getting in the right amount of food, et cetera. Um, and then I, like Kristen, I think you mentioned the airplane mode thing on the phone. Um, that was something I, I didn't even know you could do that until recently. So um, I, that idea I was just is, like on uh, planes getting pinged. Like, is it just me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty cool um, too. But I, but I think the biggest thing for me too has been saying no to people <laughs> and being okay to uh, being okay saying no if something does not align with like what you're trying to do or what you're trying to um, work on like boundary wise. Um, and so I, I'm still working on that, but it has helped to be able to have clear defined like where I want to go with my business and then um, what those boundaries are going to be and then trying to work towards being better at that and recognizing that it's a process versus like it's not going to happen overnight probably yeah and it's one of those things where sometimes you know you do you might uh have a, a setback or you might backslide a little bit and then have to reestablish um those boundaries i mean at least i know that for myself um sometimes you know the backsliding has when i have these moments where i don't feel like what i'm doing uh is enough or i'm working from like a place of scarcity instead of abundance where I feel like if I don't do this, this person is definitely going to quit and then complain about microcosm on the internet. And we're not going to get, you know, you have like that, that line of thinking. Um, it, it's real. I feel I can definitely empathize with you because, you know, having my own business, um, it, it's very difficult to, to like, feel like, you know, is this sustainable? Are we going to make it? You know, there's always all those, uh, those questions that come up. And that can lead you to making poor decisions um, that don't prioritize boundary setting or your health. Um, and I, it's really cool, Kylie, to see how you've uh, kind of been willing to be open to changing up uh, what you've been doing and to see that that has ultimately been successful because those changes also have really benefited the clients that you work with. Um, so it's, it's really twofold, right? Like, like Zoe was saying, you know, setting those boundaries changing up what you're doing um it was for your benefit but also your clients got a lot more they're getting a lot more out of it now too so it's even better right it's like it's a win-win and if you don't feel like you're able to say no to things then your yes doesn't mean anything like yeah. you have to allow yourself to be able to turn things down because if your default is just yes then you know like if you're, you know, if you ask someone to hang out and they say yes, but you like, no, they don't want to hang out, then that feels really crappy for everyone involved. So you need to always be that person who's able to say, no, I don't have the bandwidth. No, I don't have the time or energy. It's nothing personal. Um, then that way people know that when you say yes, it's coming from a place of like, like true engagement, real eagerness. Yeah, totally. Oh man. There are just so many directions. I kind of, I would, I would love to hear so I, I haven't, I guess I haven't really worked for someone else that has like overworked me. So I would love to hear like what your thoughts are. If you guys have like Zoe, maybe um, with like talking to an employer, like how do you approach that setting boundaries with 
you know, because I think they're two different things because it's one thing to be like, this is my business. So I'm going to structure it one way and set my boundaries. But if you have to work for someone else um, that is kind of overworking you a little bit, um, having a conversation, I guess, with your boss or how to approach that. I don't know if you did that before, Zoe, or. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, For me, you know, um, this is a conversation I've actually had pretty recently when Trail Runner was acquired by Outside and they gave me a lot more responsibilities, um, I, I immediately demanded a pay raise to go with it because that's how the economy works. Um, so knowing what your value is, doing market research and just being able to communicate that in a way that shows that you like, you know things <laughs> and you can do math. Um, and then, you know, I recently I was very, uh, I feel that I was very courageous and asked, um, I've been trying to hire an assistant for myself because uh, they've, you know, there's basically just like an unequal distribution of labor within different divisions at outside. Um, and I was, I just really clearly said like, Hey, my mental health is not being prioritized here. If you want to commit to a sustainable business model, here's what needs to happen. And here's why, um, this exact system is working at other brands and like just demonstrating, um, like being able to prove a return on investment. Because unfortunately, like when I tried the tact of like, Oh, it's not good for my mental health. They were kind of like, whatever. Um, so that's not great, but, uh, you know, I think being able to demonstrate numerically, like here's why prioritizing my mental health and just having a more fair and even distribution of resources benefits everyone involved. And I think it just takes, I mean, it's because like, you know, I co-own microcosm, I guess. And then I very much do not own outside. (laughs) So it's kind of like this, like, uh, you know, sometimes during the day I'm a business owner and then other times I'm like a cog in the outside wheel um, or the outside machine. And it, it is pretty different, but I do try to really um, take what I've learned about self-worth and boundary setting and like not, you know, just because I'm lower on the totem pole at outside than I am at microcosm, I try to engage from that same place of worthiness because who I am, my intelligence, my quality of work doesn't change when I flip-flop from coach to writer. Um, and just like being, you know, convinced of that and engaging from that place of worthiness and just trying to communicate cl- communicate clearly and not try to get caught up in this like I think a lot of people and I'm very guilty of this to be clear this is something I've always struggled with is like not trying to like always be the busiest hardest worker and like dim like you know because I'm not convinced of myself worth try to like be really performatively busy and stressed and like taking on all this stuff and like oh you know whatever like if I can't be known for doing the best work I'll be known for doing the most work and that's a really crappy thing to be known for and I'm really trying to undo those habits it's interesting if you want to bring in the topic of perfectionism into the conversation of boundary setting. Um, I think for mm. a lot of people, the exceptionalism, like I, I give, I would be more than happy to encourage and support you taking this boundary, but I don't need that boundary. Um, and I think that that in and itself can be really, really problematic as, as we've definitely discussed, uh, you know, multiple times here, here at home, um, you know, feeling like, oh, it's okay to uh, be the hardest working person here. I'm going to be the hardest working person here. Um, and I think that I that think it's okay to want to be the hardest working, but you shouldn't want to be like within doing ba- the Within most. boundaries. Yeah, Within well-established boundaries. You. Um, you know, I think that prioritize your, your mental health and the sustainability of what you're doing because working very hard for 
a week or two weeks is great, but if you can't, you know, when that work is, when you look at that work and you say, this is honestly unsustainable to me and is only going to lead to a breakdown or mental health breakdown or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, you know that there, there's a disbalance there and, and then firmer boundaries need to be um, instilled. Um, yeah, maybe Drew, I, we've, you know, you, you work for, you have a big demanding job as a manager of multiple running stores the most and successful as a dad. And I just, I feel like we've excluded you from this conversation. And oh, I'd love to hear from you. You guys have been killing this conversation. It's been <laughs> awesome. So my, my situation is maybe slightly dissimilar to y'all's, but I know um, I'm not unique in my aspect. I have an employer um, that demands a lot from me. Um, I manage multiple stores and 30 employees and my phone, um, like Zoe's mentioned, my phone has to be on me at all times. When there's an emergency, I'm the one they call. If the store's burning, I've had to tell people, you need to hang up and call the police. Don't call me. But I'm like literally the first one everyone goes to. So kind of stressful. Um, and I've had to go on kind of like uh, what the other coaches mentioned and talk to my employer and let them know, like, like I have a family now, like I've got a, I've got a two-year-old little baby girl who's just perfect. And I've got a, another baby boy due in August. And my family has always, and will always take priority over everything in my life. Um, and kind of having that really candid conversation with my employer, letting them know, like, I'm, I'm yours, but during these hours, I, I need this other time for my mental health and for my family. Um, and, and fortunately, my employer, also a family-oriented person, understood that, that, you know, as our lives progress and things change, so should our, our demand, really. Um, and so, uh, like Zoe's mentioned, like having discussions with your employer, if that's what is, I guess, taking the most time of your week and is um, at a detriment, I guess, to your partner, your family life, or whatever else is important to you. Um, my family is a very, like, timing oriented. Um, if you knew my wife, you would know she's like Zoe and that she's literally got like 50 million things going on at the same time. And so we live and die by our calendar. It's just what we do. Um, and we schedule like this is family time when we put our phones down and we are going to play or we're going to watch a movie or we're just going to go to the park or whatever. Um, but I know a lot of people don't like to live by a schedule, like literally hour by hour, but that's what's helped us um, it's kind of just staying, staying on a routine, if you will. Yeah, I routine. think that's so awesome. Yeah, routine, great um, ability to break routine when that's important too, because I'm someone that can get like super hung up on, on routines. But yeah, having been uh, in the past managed by Drew, I think one thing that really um, stuck with me about that relationship is that he, like it was very much built on trust. Like we, I there was this, complete understanding that like when and if I really needed him like Drew would be there but when and if I didn't really need him Drew would not be called in on the weekends because like that's you know it's a two-way like that trust is a two-way street I think that's very very interesting I almost want to go down a rabbit hole on that comment but maybe we'll switch gears um and hit up 
one more question because these are all kind of heavy hitters so this might be a yeah, two y'all this are might bringing be, it this i know no whoever like, asked that i can't calves. remember who asked that question it's like that was not the what's the best calf stretch question that we got recently um mm. let's continue on the topic of boundary setting a little bit and go to a very this is a, a forward question should partners run together um yeah. What do you think? So should we let one of the other coaches start with this one? Yeah. Who wants to dive in? Send My it to the here, so I have to think carefully. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Kristen. Let's see. Um, I think it depends. I, I love running with Colin. He's sitting right here. Um, he doesn't always love running with me. <laughs> I, I'm not sure, but most of the time he's on his mountain bike and I'm either following him or we've got the dog out or something. Um, but we typically do that when we both have different objectives for the day. If I'm doing a workout or a tempo or a long run with a tempo or something, um, he'll go off on his mountain bike. But I think it's really important that we communicate how long each of our workouts will take. So we just like set expectations right off the bat. Um, and we eventually make it back to the car or the trailhead or wherever, you know, we're planning on meeting. But since we're training for different sports, it's not always possible to time things perfectly. So on my easy days for running, we run together and I love it. We have a ton of fun exploring. We ran together yesterday. We had like, we've had all sorts of cool conversations from like female character development in Lonesome Dove to uh, a discussion on like fate theory, which was the topic of yesterday's run. Um, and it's just, it's super fun sort of sharing that experience. Um, however, I do not think it would be conducive to run with him every single day or um, for either of us because he's more of a mountain biker. I'm more of a runner. So Yes and no. Depends on what your goals are. Depends on how well you communicate. Um, establishing expectations is super important. Um, I'm getting a gravel bike on Monday, so we get to do his sport more often uh, than, than mine for a while. So that's really exciting. But yeah, make sure you just communicate expectations and I think things will be a-okay. Yeah, great. That's a great answer. Um, I love that you started that off with communication and expectations. Um, I think that that's, that's obviously huge, uh, especially when you've got two people with different goals who are also trying to spend, you know, some quality time together on the trails, right? Like, uh, I, I say this is a yes and no answer. Um, yes, you should run with your partner. It's a great opportunity to have quality time on the trails. Um, doing something maybe both, I would assume both people very much enjoy doing. Um, sometimes for really busy people, that can, that can be like the only shared, some of the only shared time you might get in the course of a week. Um, especially, you know, when you've got two people, one working a different job or different hours and stuff like uh, in the past, Zoe and I, like some of our only shared time used to be actually like running together. Um, I would definitely say that there are times where it's really not appropriate for partners to run together. Um, and, and it all comes down to like that communication um, and the communication over individual goals 
um, and the fact that some training is great for both people, but your individual training isn't always good for your partner. And, you know, you doing what your partner's individual training is, is not always great for your development. I think Zoe and I have definitely run into uh, times where we were not finding a good balance in that area. And it was not helpful for either of our training uh, to do runs together. Um, but sometimes, you know, we do find the times where it, 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 is, it is easy. And I think for me, um, it's, it's really about like, you know, when we go off and do an adventure together, it's, it's for me to get to the, to go to Zoe's place and be like, this is going to be, the run is going to be like this. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to put pressure on Zoe to go fast. I'm not going to try to put any pressure on Zoe to perform a specific way. You know, I have to meet Zoe where she's at and let her uh, kind of dictate the pace, the effort. Um, because it's, I think in a, in a situation like ours, um, you know, Zoe gets the, has the advantage of always being able to like rise to, to my level, which is really beneficial for her training, right? Like when you train with somebody who is running at a different uh, ability level than you, um, it is right. really like advantageous. Not waiting around for you. Right. You know, <laughs> which is great. Cause like, yeah. it's, it's totally a balance, right? Like we have like a challenge for us has been like, you know, making sure I work through my insecurity and I'm not comparing myself to him because we're different people and one of us has more testosterone than the other and you can guess who that is um and making sure that like I'm not engaging in unhealthy and just like inaccurate comparison because like we're both like when you look at the objective measurement of us as athletes we're very similar but the way that that plays out on the ground is that pretty much any given day TJ could drop me and that's fine that's just a real like that's a biological reality and I need to not use that mentally to like flagellate myself for not being good enough um on the other hand, like, you know, we definitely coach athletes who's like, maybe their partner isn't at the same level as them. And it's totally okay to like go on long runs, do fun runs with that partner, because typically you can't, um, you know, you can't go too slow. The caveat to that is that you don't want to be doing all of your long runs, like lolly gagging. Like if you are having to wait for your partner and just like stand around for long periods of time or do long runs significantly slower or at an intensity level that's irrelevant to your racing that's not super productive um or if it makes you like mentally there's definitely been times where like I know I'm not in a place mentally where it's going to be like totally cool for me to like just like that compare like if my brain is going to make that comparison then I'm not going to let it run with TJ basically like I only run with TJ when I know I'm in a place to like really enjoy it and have fun and it's going to be a good experience that being yeah. said, we've definitely had, you know, there's been tough runs um, because running is something I really care about. It's something I'm very vulnerable about. Like, it's going to be like the first thing I get bummed about. Yeah, it's it's really hard to find that balance. I, I would definitely say for me as somebody who really prioritizes our relationship, I, I sometimes succumb to, to, to doing runs with you that I feel like would be better spent doing at my own effort level. I think specifically when you get to a certain point of your training, uh, you have to be long runs before races. It's really important that yeah. you go your own effort, it is, whether that's it, harder yeah. or easier. I, I, I think so too, especially as you start to grow and develop as an athlete, if you're running a lot of your long runs before a race, at a significantly lower output level than you'd actually be racing at, you're doing yourself a pretty big disservice. You get to race day 
and you're not used to running fast. Um, and that's definitely happened to me. That's definitely sparked some challenging conversations in which we both had to, to kind of uh, find a better balance around yeah. the training. But I think, and you know, for us, like helpful. a really great happy medium is starting together and then we just end separately. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I take, I don't know, I love TJ, but I also love a good podcast. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> spending quality time with myself is also really awesome. Like, I think the more time we get to spend with each other outside of running, that puts so much less pressure on running for us to be the, like the only medium where we get to connect. Like, yeah. you know, when we first started dating, all of our first dates were run dates. So there was a lot of pressure on that. And now we, you know, we spend a lot of like awesome time cooking and like we do life together. So there's a lot less pressure on the runs to be that like time where we like catch up and like have deep conversations and like go you know now running can just be a, a normal thing like there's way <laughs> less pressure on it and yeah. I feel like that's been really great for our mental health for our relationship and for our running mm -hmm. I would agree I, I want to hear from Kylie on this yeah so uh I mean I with Sean, I, we don't really, we will start together kind of like Zoe's saying, so kind of going out to the same place, but um, usually are not running together. So have different, um, different speeds, training goals, and um, Sean will like run up and back though sometimes. So like <laughs> we might share the same, like he might summit a peak and then come down and then summit the peak again with me. So um so that's kind of how we would share runs or adventures together um and I honestly haven't been as good as Kristen with like getting into the cross training and like learning how to be a mountain biker and things like that and maybe maybe exploring that option to do do more things together would be a would be a good way to go as well I would not consider myself a mountain biker as someone who was featured on Jerry of the day Within the last year, I would, I would not go so far to give myself that title. <laughs> Caveat though, I feel like the fact that Kylie and Sean are two of the most bad athletes that exist. However, like Kylie not wanting to necessarily like do all of her skis or whatever with Sean means that Kylie and I get to ski together more, which is super fun and great. And like, I think, you know, more and more I've been using running skiing as a chance to connect with like other really badass women rather than like putting a lot of pressure on TJ to be my partner, my running partner, my business partner, like my number one, like emotional support. Like it, you know, the more, the less things I'm making TJ be, the better he is at being the things that he already is. Um, and then, you know, I get to hang out with like cool lady friends and like, you know, connect with people that are like more on my level. Like, as great as running with like elite men is getting to know and really invest in relationships with elite women or like, you know, like honestly, when Kylie and I are out skiing, it's a very fun, chill affair. Um, and that's really awesome. And I love that we don't put a lot of pressure on each other to like, I don't know, do tempo intervals in the snow or whatever. Yeah, I think about it's important for everyone to understand too, that uh, you can have your partner and, and, and still it's okay to not run together ever. Like with Alicia and I, like we love each other and everything's cool, but like we understand that like a 430 marathoner and a 230 marathoner really don't, like there's not a lot of overlap there when it comes to running. And we understand that and appreciate each other for our abilities. Um, 
And, and to be honest, like we've always thought that it's really healthy for every person in a relationship to have their own thing. Um, and so for us, like we, we both work out, but I do my own thing. She does her own thing. Um, and, and that's that. And we, we make it work, you know? So if, if you find yourself like, man, I, I want to run with my spouse, but I don't know how da, da. it's, it's okay. If you don't like, it's totally fine. I don't feel like you're, you're doing it wrong. Oh, totally. I, I would, I like, I feel like if you have to err on one side more than the other, like, and it looks different in every relationship. We're not relationship experts, big old grain of salt on everything we say. But like, again, I think like the healthier we are together, the less pressure we're putting on each other to like be running partners. I think that goes into like a deeper conversation about relationships as a whole. Like I know that my relationship with Colin, like he's so many things to me, but if I didn't have like my really close girlfriends, like I can't put that expectation and that pressure for Colin to be that also. So I think having, having that in mind, like there's always going to be a caveat. There's always going to be something um, that I can't get from my girlfriends that I can get from my husband or that I can't expect my husband to provide as like an emotional crutch that I can get from like my best friend. Um, so I think communication and expectations again super super duper important um but it is okay if you don't ever run with your partner like you can have you can be two separate people with different interests and still come together at the end of the day it's like that one plus one equals three idea and like that's a beautiful thing so if you're not running with your partner it's really not that big of a deal if you are it's just one more thing you can share together um every relationship is different so I, I feel like saying one is better than the other is like not what we're trying to do it just you know things are you know like different strokes for different folks I don't know it works differently for everyone and I think judging or uh, you know comparing your relationship to someone else's based on what they're doing physically is just probably not the best road to go down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think there are, there are so many different ways that this stuff works for so many different individuals. Um, and I definitely, um, feel very strongly that, uh, two people in a partnership need to have their own individual things. One person should not have the pressure of being somebody's everything that is pretty unhealthy. Um, in my mind and having a very diverse tool set uh, is optimal um, and something we should all be striving to develop over time, whether that is therapy, coaches, friends, um, family, you know, and your partner. Uh, putting too much pressure and expectation on one person can definitely lead to um, some runs that don't really go the way that you and your partner might want them to go. Um, or some relationship situations in which things uh, get maybe a little bit um, testy. And so, yeah, I, I really, really actually appreciate and relate to both of those um, kind of uh, very, you know, specific to your guys' lives, uh, you know, way of thinking about like partner runs and things like that. Um, it's actually really nice to hear uh, Drew be like, yeah, we're, we both have our, our training and we do it separately and like, that's, that's all good. Or, you know, Colin's a mountain biker and I'm a runner. Like 
that's totally amazing. Um, there is no reason why there can't be middle ground there. Um, you know, Zoe runs hundreds. I like marathon and 50K. Like there's no reason there can't be, like there can't be like a middle ground there. Um, obviously the way we're both running our long runs is gonna be very different when you have someone who's running 50K in marathon and somebody who's running 100. Um, it's just different and it's okay. It's and slower. I think it's important to celebrate that, uh, you know, and to also have, if it's not running, that's the commonality, celebrate those other kind of uh, life intersections um, where there is commonality. Um, and if running is your thing and not your partners, um, very, very important to make sure that you're able to convey uh, to your partner in a clear and kind of sympathetic, empathetic, articulate way, like why running means something to you, why you spend time doing it, um, you know, how that outlet of self-expression fills you up and makes you a better partner. That way your partner can kind of understand why you go off and, and spend your time doing these things because running, whether you're training for a, a 5K or a hundred, or like one of our athletes just did like 200 plus miles, you know, that involves a time commitment at every level. Um, and I think that we definitely see some strife develop uh, between partners because of that time commitment and because it can look different from one person to another. Um, so, you know, like getting that, that out there, it can be really, really important and not feeling ashamed of the fact that you take the time to do the things that you do for you. This is a boundary that you set for yourself, something that fills you up um, which is better for the partnership um, in my mind. So I would, uh, you know, encourage you guys if you're trying to have tough conversations with your partners about the time that you spend doing the things that you do um, to really and empathetically and lovingly have the courage to express uh, why, why you run and why you love it and why you have those goals. So maybe your partner can better um, understand you and what you're doing. Um, and know that you doing that is not a reflection on them at all or something that you're trying to take away from the relationship. Maybe it's something that you're using to fill you up to bring more love and joy into the relationship. Yeah, and on the flip side, when I was Drew's training partner, he was always really great at communicating with me like, hey, I wanna be home ready to make Alicia tacos at this time. That means we start our run at this time. Be there or like, that's that's how you're gonna get to, you know, run. like that's how you get to hit your wagon to the Drew train. And like, as hit, like when I was a formerly singleton running partner, I was like always super glad to do that. Cause it's like my time to like hang out with Drew and like do the running. And then I just always really appreciated that he um, like clearly was doing a really good job of communicating to Alicia when he would be home. Um, and then when he would be running, he communicated with us, his running partners, like here's when I'm ready to show up for you guys. Yeah. So, learn a lot from, from Drew. <laughs> He's a great teacher. Awesome. Well, uh, two question uh, coaches corner today. Wow, love, it's love a new that. Record. Love that. We unpr'd it. <laughs> There's no expectation. Um, Slow right, well, on time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys on uh, Monday for a very casual discussion. Um, yeah. Yeah. No topic necessarily. Although partner runs, boundary setting are just hot topics this week. Hot topics. Hot topics. All right. Have a good weekend, guys. Thanks. Bye, guys. Thanks for being here.